Welcome to Season 2 of the Development Locker Podcast, where we progress to the how, where we aim to continue your development throughout the 2021-2022 season and start to proactively prepare you for your transition come the end of the season. Over the next 12 months, we will cover a variety of topics that you, the listener, have voted for taking ownership of your own development and transitional needs and those of other academy players and graduates. This podcast is a free platform that aims to put you, the person behind the player, at the forefront of everything we do, so that we may enhance your academy experience via our guidance, advice and support on a weekly basis. Each week, we invite guests to tell us their stories, share their experiences, so that you can take on board key messages that will positively impact your future. Our objective is to cover the basics well, provide you with the additional 1% in a variety of areas and give you an opportunity to continue your lifelong development as you transition through the academy system towards fulfilling your aspirations of becoming a professional football player and living a fulfilled life after football. These are your chosen episodes. This is your interview from The Locker. Have we got a guest for you this week? None other than Laurie Wilson, a seasoned professional player who is now at Billericay Town, who has decided to set up his own financial company at the same time. We start with Laurie's journey through the academy football system, turning professional and some of the challenges along the way. Before we get to the main focus of this week's episode, where we tap into yet more of Laurie's experience of the finances involved in football. So have that finger poised over the pause button and have a pen handy as you'll want to be noting down some of the gems this week's guest is about to bring your way. So let's delve into this week's episode and this week's interview from The Locker. Welcome back. We have an immense guest this evening and it is no other than Laurie Wilson who is currently transitioning from being a professional footballer into the world of finance. That's the only intro he's going to get because I don't want to waste a second without getting the questions to Laurie and getting some of the learning lessons to you guys who are listening in. So first off, Laurie, what was your experience of academy football at Charlton Athletic. Tell us about your experience, you know, the, the journey that you had at that club at a very young age. Yeah, so I, I had a really good experience. Um, it was probably slightly different to uh, to most, but I, um, I signed at Charlton when I was, was nine or ten. Um, and then I was kind of just, you know, the training twice an evening, um, playing on the weekends. And then at 13, I, um, I actually went to boarding school. Um, so, and that was in Somerset, so I wasn't actually able to, um, kind of go to training every evening, um, you know, play all the games of weekends and stuff. So mine was slightly different. So I wasn't sort of with the players week in, week out, but I used to come back at home of a weekend. So my, my dad used to come and collect me from school, drive me back of a weekend, 
I'd play in the uh, in the game of a weekend, and then I, and then I'd go back to school. Um, so it was it was slightly different in in that in those terms. Um, but once um, I'd actually signed my first YTS, that was then kind of my my real first taste of you know full time football, and that was kind of when I realised that you know this is the kind of potential that you've got that I could actually be playing full-time football, you know, every single day and, and it actually be my job. Um, so that was, that was my, my kind of first impression, which I was really sort of excited about that actually every day I was waking up and, and going into, you know, Charlton's training ground and seeing the first team train and, and then going and watching the first team as well. And so, yeah, it all, it all kind of fell really nicely in, in, into place because it was also a new place for me where I wasn't there, you know, every single week. Um, it was a real sort of nice environment to come straight into because I hadn't been with all of those players every single day um, for the last four or five years, even though I was playing with them at the weekend. Um, so, yeah, so that was a real nice experience. Also, my um, my parents were were quite adamant that my uh, my A-levels and, and, and GCSEs and, and things like that had to be maintained. Um, and I know that they in the academies at the time they were doing B techs when uh, when I first signed my YTS and and my parents were very much you know because I'd been to boarding school and and got some kind of education that they said look you know you, you need to continue with your A levels and and I had to have a private tutor so again these are just things that probably started from such an early age for me um, in my academy lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know that about boarding school. So, do you think that's kind of set you up for where you are now? And we'll go into that a lot more detail in terms of, you know, you you're still playing, but also you you you're fully on your way to having a dual career and your transition already sorted from a financial company perspective. Do you think kind of that goes all the way back to your boarding school experience and almost that non-negotiable that you're there to learn and to, you know, constantly strive to acquire new knowledge? Do you think there's a link there or not? Yeah, I mean, definitely. And, and I mean, the, the, the school that I went to was was really, it's well known for, for its sport. Um, and it was a sporting boarding school. And, you know, I was I was very fortunate that I was able to play, you know, cricket and football at, at a high level at, at that age. Um, and, you know, at, even though I was at school, I was still playing, you know, the highest level of, of sport against the best people around the around the country at my age. Um, and again, I still had that, you know, mentality of work and I had to, yeah. they, they were, even though it was a sports school, you couldn't just, you know, bunk off school. <laughs> you couldn't no. bunk off a lesson. Like it was very much that you had to catch up on the work. You had to make sure you, you had done the work before you had left for any games. I remember that we used to have Saturday school and we'd finish at like 12.30, but obviously wow. some of the games were away. And you'd go in and you'd say to the teacher, you know, look, you know, I'll have to leave early because of this football. And then suddenly you'd get like pages and pages of work. And it was like, you can only go if this is done. Um, so you kind of then were like, right, I need to get down. I need to do this work so that I can leave. Or if you do leave, make sure that it's back within a certain date. Um, you know, to like on the Monday or the Tuesday, it has to be kind of back in. So I do, I do think that there was that mentality of even though I'm playing sport, my work is also just as important. Yeah, no, that's good. That's a good approach to have that one. So fast forward a little bit. So your academy experience, you know, you you signed at Charlton from the age of nine or ten. 
what were the emotions like when you got to that point? You've worked hard, you've sacrificed, and you were, you know, one of the few to, to be able to sign professional terms. What was it like at the emotions? Was that a kind of a, a job well done? Was it just the, the, the start of things to come? Yeah. Or was it something where you were kind of like really made up and it was, you know, a lot of hard work from the age of nine and ten and getting to that stage of signing professional? Would, would you know, do you know what's quite funny? I actually, I actually had disappointment to start with. And really? Yeah, and that, that, that's purely because, actually, I got to 18, was sort of gearing up, and, and I basically, I'd been, I'd been at Charlton, obviously, since I was nine, got to 17, 18, and, and actually, I was travelling. In my second year as a YTS, I was travelling with the first team, and I was, you know, sitting there, in, I was in their squads, in their match day squads on a Saturday in the Premier League, and I was thinking oh, this is it, you know, I've, I've sort of cracked it. Um, and then actually probably in that second year, took my foot off the gas um, and I actually got released at, at the end of that second year. And that was my disappointment. And I, and I was kind of thinking, well, at one hand, I was thinking, oh, I've definitely got, you know, a new deal come in. I've definitely got a contract come in. I'm going to be in the Premier League. I'm already travelling with the first team all of these things to then suddenly be like, right, actually we're not going to continue. We're not going to give you another year. Um, was a, was a real sort of, Oh, actually you can have it, but not have it. Um, and luckily, you know, I actually went away and, and, and signed for Colchester in the championship, but it was that first initial disappointment, but also I was able to understand that you can, you can be so close. Yet yeah. Yeah it can be taken away from you so quickly if you're not consistently on the ball and you, you don't consistently turn up and, and train hard and do all those things that it can be taken away from you. And I'm glad that I learned that so early on, but then also I was very disappointed that I hadn't had the chance at the time to sort of, you know, prove that I, that I had, did have enough. Um, but then again, very fortunate that I was able to, you know, go into another club within, you know, a week or two of, of, of kind of being released. So, yeah, so there, there was kind of mi mixed emotions um, with it. And also once I then did sign the professional contract, it was, I don't think I gave myself any, any joy from it. I think it was very much like, well, I know that it can be taken away. So actually yeah. now I need to crack on now and I need to nail down, you know, a spot and, and, and get my career going. Do you feel that mindset and almost that, I suppose, determination has, has, has made you have such a long career that you have where you're still playing now? Do you think that's kind of that mentality, that mindset has got you through the, the peaks and troughs, the ups and downs throughout your career? Yeah, I, I definitely um, I definitely have quite a strong mindset. And, um, you know, I, I think if you probably talk to to anybody in in the game that that's that's managed me or that's been um, in the club when I've been there, and and most people would probably say that I'm quite professional in what I do, and and I I always make sure that you know I give my all in training. I you know I make sure that I'm doing the extra yards and the extra stuff outside um, of just training to make sure that there is longevity in the game that I can play for as long as I can. Um, and I think they are the little things that you do need to do um, because, you know, it's not like how, how it used to be, um, you know, where people would go out on a Tuesday and, 
and go for a drink, um, you know, straight after training or on Thursday, go for a drink after training, out Saturday night with a game on the Tuesday. Like All of those things, I think, have, have slowly kind of crept out of the game. And I do believe that, you know, my sort of, I was the transitional periods of where people started to realise that actually, you know, making sure that you're eating properly, making sure that you, you know, yoga, Pilates, like whatever yeah. it is that you're doing extra, um, to make sure that you can play for as long as you, as, at the highest level as you can. So you've had a, a number of moves and some of those have been low moves as well throughout your career. How challenging have you found that? So you mentioned like the boarding school, maybe incorrectly assuming that maybe that was a little bit easier than, than, than most of your teammates to move away from home constantly. But what about the integration with new teammates, you know, impressing yet another manager? How hard is that as a young professional? Yeah, I, I mean, I, again, going to boarding school set me up um, very nicely, I think, um, in terms of moving. I was from the age of 16, 17, up until 20, I think it was 23, 20, yeah, 23, 24. Um, I actually was was local. Um, every club that I played for was, was within an hour's drive of, of my house. Um, so I kind of didn't have that experience of, of, of going anywhere, although it may have been, like you said, going to a different team and, and then having meeting new people, um, yeah. your managers, all of that, that, that sort of side of the game. But actually moving away from home, I didn't do it until I moved to Bolton. Um, and <clears throat> I think that if you've got the infrastructure, you know, family-wise and people supporting every move that you have and backing it, I think that helps massively. Um, I think the making making new friends, all of that sort of stuff. I think that just kind of comes within within a, a changing room. I don't think that you go out to sort of be like, right, you know, I need to impress this person, I need to impress that person, because actually the football does that. Um, yeah. And then you as a person, you know, slowly filters through afterwards. But actually, you're judged on how you are as a footballer. Um, rather than what you're like as a person to start with, um, as probably the, the the easiest way of putting it. Um, manager wise, again, they that is something that I I always you know do tell younger younger players is is how to be adaptable and how to change um, and be adaptive to change because things happen so much within a football and and a lot happens within a a week of football, you know, 24 hours, like things change quickly and you have to be able to adapt to that. And one of those things are the fact that you could have a manager in there for six months, a year, two years, three years, and you could be with him that whole time. He has a bad run of form. He goes, suddenly a new manager's in. You have to, you can't keep, you know, playing the same way that the old manager wanted to play because the new manager's got new ideas, new structured new ways of playing all of those things and you have to be adaptable as a player um so i, I would definitely that would be one of my things to say to people is, is being able to be adaptable oh, that's good that's good and then bringing kind of full circle to where you are today so you're playing at billericay town how does that suit your current dual career and, and we'll go into your your, your financial uh, career in a minute but how does Billericay Town suit you as a as a family man as somebody who's coming towards the end of his career and somebody who's already got 
more than one eye, almost one foot in the door of your transitional career. Yeah, Billericke's been been a perfect transition for me. Um, it's you know I was I was at Ebbsfleet before Billericke, and that was kind of where I I started to um, sort of think about life after football. Um, and you know even Billericke then came on after Ebbsfleet, and it's twenty minutes from my house. Um, you know, it's two nights a week. It's it gives me time to go and, and train uh, to work during the day. You know, do my training in the morning if I want to on a on a you know Monday, Wednesday, and a Friday. Um, so it's it's been really nice that it gives me time where I don't have to. I can just concentrate on on work and growing the business, and then I kind of take that hat off and and then I put on my football hat of an evening. Um, and also, um, I, I love the fact that, you know, I can put my son to bed um, and then go out and train, come back. You know, I've not kind of missed any of those, any of that time um, with the family. So it's, it is perfect in, in that sense, to be honest with you. And also, I, I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, some people are, are too, are too, have got too much pride and that if they played in the Premier League, that they they feel like they can't go and play in the Championship, they can't go and play in League One or League yeah. Two. And you know, I'm I, I'm fortunate or not, I don't know, but I've been at been at a top club. I've gone all the way down to the bottom. I've worked my way back up again, and then I've slowly come back down again. You know, towards the end of my career, and and I always think that actually, the slower that you can you know transition out of football and and still play as much as you can, I think helps coming away from football and retiring because I tend to find the people that just cut it off, you know, straight from the legs and and, and, and stop completely struggle. And I do feel like actually just playing, you know, part-time, making sure that you're still getting that, you know, that fix of that football fix on a Saturday, you still, you still within it, but actually you're, you know yourself that you're, you're slowly sort of coming away from it. And I do think that helps. Yeah. I mean, that's great. I mean, the fact that like you said, you know, 20 minute commute and spending time with your family, you know, you can't kind of, you can't put a value on that. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of lost my um, like interest of, you can't on a, for instance, Bolton, let's say we used to, we used to train on a Monday and after training in the morning of a Monday, we would go and stay in the hotel Monday all day. Yeah. Tuesday, bear in mind, this would be a home game, let's say on a Tuesday night. We would then be in the hotel all day Tuesday, go and play the game Tuesday night and then be back home, you know, early hours of, 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 the, uh, of the Wednesday. You would then sort of train Thursday and then let's say we had an away game Friday you would then train Friday morning, travel, be in a hotel Friday night, play Saturday, come back late Sunday morning, um, and you kind of just that whole that whole time is just was missed. And and I and I feel like right now with a child and everything that that all of those times I don't I don't miss sort of those overnight stays, <laughs> whereas so many people used to love it. Ones that had kids at the time were like. Oh, this is the best ever. <laughs> get, get a full night's sleep and all the rest of it. Whereas actually, I'm, I'm like, I'd rather be at home and be in my own bed. But yeah, they, no. they used to love it. No, that's great. And it's great that it's, it's, you know, it's finally working out. And I'm sure, you know, you've been kind of a catalyst to that yourself. It's not just happened by chance. And 
kind of moving on to now to you know what we've got you on for in terms of your financial background and, and the company that you set up. But before we get onto that, what point in your career was there a single point? Was it a culmination of variables that kind of all came together? At what point did you think, right, I need to do something now while I'm still playing and it's going to be finance and potential that means I'm going to have to play, you know, semi-pro and drop down the divisions. Did it work out like that? Was it by pure chance or was it planning? Um, so, I mean, throughout my career, I've always been, like we said at the start, really, probably my, my upbringing through school kind of was, was, was instilled in me. But I... I always used to try and do courses like, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Pilates instructor. Um, you know, I've obviously, I did my coaching badges. I've got my UA for B, got the levels of all of those things. And I did those whilst playing. Um, so I always had an eye on, on making sure that I was kind of doing stuff and ticking boxes, but it wasn't until probably four years from now where I was like, right, actually I need to, whatever it looks like that I'm going to go in and do, which I didn't actually know at the time, uh, yeah. was that I need to make sure that I've got as many strings to my bow as possible. And that was when I was then like, right, okay, well, I'm going to use the PFA who who put courses on for players and, I, and I'm going to, you know, go and do broadcast and journalism um, and sports writing. So, you know, I looked and thought, right, so that degree, if I get that degree, um, it doesn't mean that I then have to go and, do that. I can. I've got a degree, and and some schools will accept any degree. Um, so I was thinking, right, well, okay, I could be a PE teacher. Um, I could do anything like that with this degree. Um, and that was kind of that kind of set the wheels in motion as to say, right, actually, if I'm gonna I'm gonna do that, I've got let's say four years left in my career. That course is gonna take me two years, but at the end of it, I'm gonna have a degree. Um, and it was slowly myself doing that and, and finding things that I enjoyed, finding things that I liked. And fortunately enough that um, my brother-in-law um, had, a, had a financial services uh, company um, and, you know, we were having discussions of what was going on with me. Um, and then we kind of sat down and thought, well, actually, let's, you know, let's start a division um, within the investment Um arm and, and and let's you know see if what if we can help in any way um from you transitioning and it, and it wasn't until then that i was like right well okay well if that's if that's the road that i'm going to go down like i said i just need to get as many you know strings to my boat so that when i do finish that i'm able to you know transition a lot a lot easier and the reason why i went from full-time at Evsleep to part-time at billericke was that we had grown the company so much in those two years that actually it got to the point where we needed to start employing others um, because we had grown it as much as we could as, as a three. So we thought, right, well, if we now need to start employing other people, why don't we look at, you know, the fact that I could come away from football, um, you know, with my wages and stuff and actually take it from the company. And, but, then we're not employing somebody else and all of those things. So it, it kind of fell in, in, in place. And, you know, we had the first pandemic as well. And I was sort of thinking, oh, you know, what's going to happen with football? Is it ever going to go back to being how it used to be? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot older now in, in terms of football. 
and you're only looking at one year contracts and, and stuff like that. So I was, I was very much aware of, of the situation and of, of how football was, was going. Um, and it was very much on my forefront that I was like, right, well, actually, I need to just make sure. Not, not to say that I wasn't concentrating and I don't enjoy playing football because, like I said, I can still put that hat on and, and be fully focused and be fully wanting to get promotion or stay up, whatever it looks like. Um, but I also understood that you have so much time in football. You have so much time in full-time football and, and, and as an apprentice and stuff that you can you can use that time wisely. How how hard is it as a seasoned professional? You, you mentioned before that you know you you don't get likes in the dressing room by being a likable person. You get likes because you're good at your job, you're good at in your position, you perform well, you you know you complement the team. How hard is it in a sport where, in my opinion, and it might be different from the inside, where it's still frowned upon for somebody to be like you just said, almost taking their eye off the ball or perceived to not be 100% committed to their football. How hard is it to plan for your transition, but also make your teammates aware, the coaching staff, the club, when it's coming to contract renewal, to tell, you know, to show them that you are as committed as you were before, you're just being, doing that extra, added extra, preparing for your transition. How hard is that as, as a professional to strike that balance and to almost, sh- not shut people up. Do you get what I mean though? It's like, it's quite hard, isn't it, in football? People be like, oh, what are you doing that for? You're not, you're not fully committed to your football. How hard is it? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great question, honestly. It's, um, it's one that I've, I've dealt with twice um, throughout my career, and um, I still get questions about it now. And, and the first one would be that the studying, and, you know, I started to, you know, read books on the coach, on away games and then I would take my laptop and, and start doing some, you know, essays and stuff like that, that, that needed to be done. And in those days as well, you know, 10 sort of years ago, it was very much, you would walk down the back of the coach and it, you know, you'd get abuse. In fact, like it wasn't, it wasn't sort of malicious. It was just, yeah, yeah. you know, it would be very much like, Oh, look, look at the nerd. Look at the <laughs> what are you reading? Like all of those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, but you know, actually, I'm sure that if if I went back to every one of those those players now and said, "Oh, do you wish that you'd have you know read that book or or did or, or you know done some work on on the coach that you'd be in a better position now?" and and I'm sure that probably a high percentage of them would probably say yes. Um, because... And I'm sure one or two are probably coming to you for financial advice now. Yeah. So you've got to <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, I want no names. <laughs> um, so- Coming on to your, your your business now, you said about you know you you wanted to set that up. So tell our listeners a lot of, about your the financial group that you set up, the reasons behind it, and what services that you offer. Yeah, so so we we try to be different. So we're we're basically financial services, um, but we're what we're trying to do is trying to consolidate everybody's financial services. So just like a one stop shop, basically. Um, we we started with Will You Invest which is an asset management company. And, you know, we, we look after um, people's SIPs, people's ISAs, people's pensions. Um, they then went into Will UFX, which is international payments to and from. Um, and then we went into Will U Life, which is a health and life brokerage, which is when I came on board. Okay. Um, 
and once I then came on board, it was then very much like, right, okay, how can we service our clients even more than, than what we're giving them already? Um, which then brought on, will you insure, which is obviously a specialist insurance. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, things like cars, houses, content, um, all of like a business insurance as well. So like public liability, a constructional risk, like all of those things. We then was like, right, another another option because these are all all of these arms came in from people asking us for them for those yeah. services and then we've now got a, a wills platform as well so wills and estate planning um, and we've also got will you world which is like a perks platform but like i said they all evolved from that one person coming in and saying right you know let's look at your health insurance suddenly you've got health insurance they then say right well actually I've got, I've got a house in, you know, Portugal and I need to transfer money to and from, or, you know, if I take a, a footballer, for example, you know, if it, a foreign player that's playing here in, 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 in England and needs to transfer money abroad, um, you know, to and from his family, it's, it's that kind of services that, that we were giving people. Um, they then was like, right, well, okay, I need, you know, I want to invest some of my money, um, which we had that platform as well. So it was just really just trying to make sure that that client, client was looked after on every single aspect and just making life a lot easier and, and not stuffy and very casual and, you know, mm -hmm. kind of coming from the, the this place where I've been before and I know what it's like. I know how it is when you're sat in a room and, you know, people come in and speak to you and, and, and it can, you have ideas, you have thoughts, but you never kind of put your hand up, you go away and you've still got those, those thoughts, you know, wandering in your head because the people aren't adaptable. They're not. They're not approachable people sometimes. Um, so yeah. So that that's that's what we've tried to do. So in, in terms of that, was the. I mean, I know you mentioned about you know kind of your, your transition and you wanted to transition as slowly as possible out of the game. But have you always been interested and passionate about finances, or was it kind of taking your experiences from as a professional player and not not your failings, but some of maybe your mistakes or in the change or in the conversation around finances and the two came together. Have you always been passionate around finances? Um, no, I haven't really been passionate about it, to be honest. I, I kind of just, like you said, hearing people's, I've always, what I would say is that I've always, I've always had, I've always saved. I've always, I've always done the right, tried to do the right thing financially um, through guidance. And, I always feel like I've, I've, like you said, I've heard and, and listened to some of the bad things that have happened um, to footballers um, within within my time in the game and in the dressing room. That's that's always made me just be a little bit more. Since I have gone into the financial services, just be a little bit more like, listen, this is this is what you should be doing. I've seen it happen to other people. I've seen those sorts of things. And this is the road that if you are going to do it, not not sort of going to somebody and saying, you must put away this, you must invest this, you must do that. But more when they come and ask you, that's when you give that advice. I would never go out to people and be like, you must do this, you must do that, because I'm not like that as a person. But if somebody comes to me and says, you guys are doing all these financial things, like, can I have a bit of advice on, on some healthcare? Can I have a bit of advice on some life insurance? You know, I've got a, got a newborn baby. I was just moving into a house. Like, what what do you, you know, what would you advise? And and that's that's where I feel like I come in, into my best and, and, and the company do because 
you know, whether you take something out or you don't, as long as we've given you the, the, the best kind of advice that, that we believe in, um, I think it stands us in good stead. Good. I mean, so from, I know we talked obviously before the, this recording, but can you give Atlas as a bit of an insight into potentially some of the mistakes that you made as a professional player in terms of your finances, if you're willing to share that so some of our listeners can hopefully learn from, from, from those errors along your way that you've learned from? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the obviously the, the, main, the main ones, I would probably say, would be cars. <laughs> um, the, the cars is in plural there. Yeah, the amount <laughs> the, the amount that you waste on on cars is just it's, it's it's sickening. Like when you actually when you actually step back from it and 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 actually write numbers down on a piece of paper over the years, and you think, oh gosh, like I, you know, I could have I could have had this or I could have had that from it, and yeah. all of those sorts of things. And and I think that although they are nice at the time and, and it kind of come, it, it's become one of those things that you know, if you're a footballer, you have to have a nice car. And and actually when you step back and you come away from the game, it, it doesn't really matter kind of what car you're driving because again, it's the player that's out there on the pitch. And, and if you take away all of those other things, you know, they're, they're, they're irrelevant actually, you know, because if you're not playing well on the pitch, you know, actually getting out and, and, and stepping into a, a really nice car isn't isn't going to make any difference to you. Um, my probably one thing that I'd look back on and, and think the amount of the amount of money that was that was kind of wasted. Uh, and I say wasted, but it it got me from A to B. But yeah. it was just a, an expensive way of getting from A to B. <laughs> when when I now know that it can be done a lot cheaper um, in hindsight. So I, I probably I probably would would change that in, in a way, and I'm not even saying you know I'll go and go and get a you know a 30 year old car or 20 year old car to people, but but just be a little bit more at the younger age, just be a little bit more sensible, you know, wh- whether it is you know an A class or a one series BMW, like things like that, like you know slowly slowly make those steps up. Don't yeah. jump jump into. Um, thinking oh, I'll sign my first professional contract and, and I must now drive this car or that car because everybody else is driving it. You know, you make your own decisions, but you just 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 do it in a in a slower process and, and you'll and you'll be better at it, I think. Where where does that come from, the the link between cars and, and, and professional footballers? Is that is it almost kind of keeping up with the Joneses or is it purely a an individual thing of almost wanting to kind of celebrate your you know your professional you know you signed a long-term deal and you've worked hard for it and you performed and you dedicated your life to your football you know in terms of nutrition psychology doing all the extras you're doing everything you possibly can is it a case of just wanting to kind of reap the rewards of your own success or is it a little bit of oh teammate x has got this i probably need to kind of up my game a little bit is this somewhere in between where it lies yeah, I mean, I, I was never, I'm ne- I was never like that. So I never, I never kind of had that. I have to impress somebody else, and yeah, I must look good in that. That that that's just that was just me. Some people are like it, um, and they thrive on that, which which is great. You know, if that's what makes you makes you tick and, and it makes you come in and and train and perform, then then that's how it has to be. Um, but yeah, there, there's a lot of people that that very much think that because I've signed a professional contract, I must have a nice car and I must have this. And it's not until you get a little bit older that you realise 
again that it, they're, they're superficial things that they're, they're irrelevant actually when when you take it when you strip it all back um they are actually irrelevant and i think that when you are watching for premier league players and they're driving in, in in these cars i just think that it's the easiest it's the easiest thing to sign have money and yeah. go out and, and buy and get and uh, and i think that's more than what like i think that's the easiest thing for people to go and do you know it's hard for somebody to go and buy a house it can take, it can take a little bit longer process um you know all of those things like the investments it's a bit quiet you know nobody actually sees you investing in in, in very true yeah things like that whereas whereas people can see this you know people can see that oh he must have money because he's got a nice car and, and actually it doesn't really matter whether you've got a nice car or not you know it's, it's actually probably you as a person that that people are more interested in <clears throat> yeah interesting so what what's been the best piece of financial advice someone's given you so whether that's a teammate, an agent, uh, you know, a manager, a family member, or even if you have got a financial advisor, what's the best piece of advice that you think, oof, that's been critical in your current financial status and, you know, your ability to be able to transition out of the sport and into a different career? Yeah, I was I was very, very lucky. And um, my father-in-law um, was a, a financial advisor um, when I was 17, 18 so I was it kind of I was kind of not forced but you know it was so, kind of, so no no decent cars for you then yeah no, no, <laughs> we had nice cars, but they were never you know like, like I said like we were never we were never went OTT with them because you know we we knew that actually that there's a bigger picture here but um yeah, yeah my father-in-law probably gave, gave me the best advice and it wasn't yeah yeah I would say it was it was advice actually because he sat down and, and he and he processed for me the kind of what people don't usually do is that you know actually you might you probably only have 15 years maximum for some people within football um you know 20 years if if you're lucky and i think that when he broke that down to me from an early age and stopped me from kind of getting ahead of myself it was it was that that made me go right well actually he structured for me that you know i i save you know, 70%, 60% of my earnings um, each month um, and I get to spend the rest, you know, especially at the time when we didn't have a house, we were living with parents, um, all of those things. And, and at the time I, I hated it. And, you know, it, I used to say to my wife, who's my wife now, and, and it was like, oh, like, you know, we could go and do this, we could go and do that, we could go out here. Like, and, you know, there'd be some months where I'd be like, oh, I've got no money left. And, you know, <laughs> like you know five days left of the month and and i think yeah but i have got money left because i've just put away you know 70 percent of my wages and, and they're sitting in in accounts that i can't get to um and yeah it used to frustrate me sometimes and but it made me and it learn how to live within those means and even though i was earning that money i was still living within the means that, that all that i needed um and it wasn't until you know, we got to, I think it was that, I think it was 20, I think we were. Um, and I suddenly said, right, we're going to move out. We're going to go and buy a house. We're going to go and buy a flat, like whatever, whatever it was that we were going to go and do. And then, you know, I spoke to um, my father-in-law and he said, right, that's fine. That's cool. What sort of houses are you looking at? You know, all of those things for me. And then said, right, 
there you go. And then and then the money then suddenly came over from all the savings and the ISAs and all the all the other stuff for the year, for the last sort of three or four years that we've been saving um, to suddenly say there's your deposit for your house. And it was it was those sort of light bulb moments that was like ah okay so all of that stuff that I've been saving away has now come for a day where I need it and I've got it. Whereas if I hadn't if I hadn't have done that would have come right, we want, we want to get on the property ladder and actually we can't afford it because we don't have a deposit. Um, you know, and, and obviously that's then dependent on where you are as a footballer, what contract you're on, you know, all of those things. And they were probably the, the best sort of financial um, advice and, and, and guidance that I got, I think, as a, as, as a player. That, that must have been so, so hard as a, a young professional, as somebody who's, you know, coming up to the peak of your powers in your, you know, your, your late 20s, and I'm assuming you're probably earning the most at, at that stage. That must have been so hard. You must have been, have to have been so disciplined, so much self-control to stick to that savings routine. That's that's something else. That I mean, were you ever tempted to kind of dip into those savings or have a bit of a splurge to reward yourself of getting that new contract or getting that move up to the next division? Well, no, like there was never really, there was never, there was only ever, you know, a couple of times where, where we, we might, may have had to have, have dipped into it. And, and that was purely because, um, you know, it, certain, cer- certain circumstances came up, um, you being involved probably in one at Bolton. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But, but, you know, only circumstances like that, that, that arose that where it was like, well, actually, yeah, I need to, you know, I need to dip into my savings or I need to, to use some of the money for that. Um, and also what was what was quite nice for me, actually, um, and it wasn't even for myself. It was more for my family members in, in certain situations um, that arose for them um, where they needed some support. And actually it helped. It, it helped. I was able to help them in their needs because I had done all of those, those good, those sort of, you know, structure throughout my whole career that I was yeah. able to support them, um, you know, in those circumstances. And, and I think that that sat a lot nicer for me that actually I wasn't, a, I wasn't just helping, you know, my, myself and my wife and, and my son, actually I'm helping my whole family in, in certain situations. So that, that was probably the, a, a nice thing. And also I had a goal, you know, at the start at, at 17, 18, I, I had a, a goal that actually by the end of, of, of retiring that, you know, a house would be paid off or, or some, or something like that. Um, and you know, that was, that was always my aim within, within football was to do something like that. Oh, that's good. I mean, yes, if only every uh, football player was like yourself of saving, <laughs> saving, the, saving the majority and just, uh, yeah, living off. The, yeah. I mean, like we said, we said before, didn't we, that actually, if you can, if you can do it, in, yeah. in percentages um so you yeah. know, so if you're saving five percent when you're you know 18 then you're on 100 pound a week you know suddenly if you can if you can then keep that percentage and, and up it as you go up the ladder of, of football and, and start earning more and more and more you don't you probably hope, won't miss it it's when you it's when you're earning that money and you just suddenly just want to save it all it's it, it's quite hard yeah, and that kind of brings me on to, to the next one. So, so usually, Laurie, what we do is we you've you've got the thick end of the wedge here because normally we just ask our guests to 
uh, give one piece of advice. The fact that your footballing background through your academy journey, professional, now semi-professional, you transition into the world of finance, was kind of breaking this last stage up into three. So the first part of it really would be, what's the advice that you would give to a academy apprentice who's, in terms of their finances now, in terms of they're about to sign the dotted line of their first professional contract? Is there any one piece of financial advice you would give with your financial head on? Or is this something that you wish you would have done when you were a, a scholar and you were signing professional terms? Yeah, I mean, I, it would probably it would probably be um, something along the lines of, of ISAs. Um, and the advice would probably be that even though you're, you know, it's great that you're signing that first professional contract, but just you know, understand that what you'll break down, what your kind of what your what your outgoings are that every every month. You know, just making sure that you're hitting those targets with with whether you're saving. You know, save a small percentage if you can, because the earlier that you get in the routine of saving some small percentage, as you grow up the ladder, you will save more and more because you will have more and. All that you do, one advice I would say is don't go out and spend it all straight away. Because <laughs> you'll end you end up you end up at the end of the month with no money whatsoever in, in the in the minus <laughs> when you sign that first professional contract. No, yeah, I've, I've I've got a fair few stories on that one. We'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> and then what about kind of going back from that? So what about those under 16 players who have or are just about to start their apprenticeship program in the under 18s? there for the very first time now getting paid for a job in football have you got any advice because we both know it's a very small amount of money that they're earning is there anything that you would recommend you would advise they're doing with their small income that they're about to be getting um i mean it's very hard and, and i know i know what it's like because i, I mean i was earning sort of 75 pounds to 100 pounds and uh, you know when i was when i was what was it? Fifteen. My first YTS. So I understand that it's it's hard to you know suddenly say oh travel and you know all of those things that you 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 are still sort of going out on a Saturday. You are still going with friends to you know do things and, and stuff. And and it's very hard to to do that. All I would say is don't just live within live within your means, which is live within your seventy five pounds for my instance, and, or, or live within your hundred pounds like like I was. Don't don't then think right. Well, I'm I'm earning a hundred pounds, but I'm going to actually pretend that I'm earning two or three hundred pounds to somebody because that does nobody any favors. Because all that does is get you into financial debt and actually puts pressure on you as a person to go and perform each week because that contract now becomes a lot more pressure on you to get because you're thinking, well, actually, I need to start earning as if. I need to start earning three or four hundred pounds because that's what I'm spending. When actually all I'm all I'm earning is a hundred pounds. So yeah. until you're actually earning that money, you know, don't pretend that you're earning that money. It's good to think and 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 have goals and ambitions to earn that money, but don't live like you're earning that money because that only puts pressure on you. I think as a person out off field, and people always play their best football when they've got you know everything's in in house you know everything yeah yeah everything sounds your 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 home life is is good you know you've got 
support wherever you need it financially you're in a good place like all of those things that's when you play your best football and and everyone everyone would say that to you is that you play your best football when everything is in is in line have you seen that quite a lot in in your career where you know other lads yeah, are yeah. making decisions on contract renewals or transfers or you know what their pay demands are based on what their financial circumstances are to kind of plug a, a financial gap or they want that next bigger house and they've kind of have you witnessed that kind of you're thinking god what what why are you making that decision you're making that decision to move to that club purely off a financial one this could backfire yeah definitely and 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 you know like i said that i've seen people where they've been in debt because of you know of gambling and stuff yeah um, and and had to had to go and sign somewhere just because you know they're they're giving them an extra thousand pound a week or something wow. like that and you kind of think well why are you going all of that weight just for the extra thousand pound a week when actually, <laughs> yeah. you know you could have more longevity here you could earn another two or three year contract here um, yeah. and, and earn the same money if not more um but you know they need that because they've got a signing on fee or something like that or feel like they have to move so what they'll end up doing is they'll end up being bad eggs because they know that they have to move so they need to pay up from their contracts or yeah to come in and buy like it's yeah it gets it gets very very um dark in in that in that sense and that's why i always say that you know live to live to what you're earning don't you don't have to impress anybody you don't have to um you know go around and show people that you or pretend that you're earning for three or four hundred quid because i think that's what a lot of people do and, and it's a very strange world football um that you kind of most people lie of what they're earning yeah and and, and it's really strange and i've never understood it and um you know, I've always been the, the sort of person that says, "No, I, this is what I earn. This is what I'm on." Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Like it, it, because so many people are on different wages, <clears throat> and the best success that I've had at, at certain clubs has been when the majority of the players are earning this around the same sort of money. Because okay, because actually, it doesn't, it doesn't come into it. Nobody, nobody asks the question. Nobody begrudges that person playing or no one begrudges, you know, that person not playing like because you're all on in the same boat. You're all, you're all sort of earning or, or roughly within the same wages. It's not until you suddenly get people that are earning, you know, 15, 16, 17,000 pounds more than you, that you suddenly go, well, how comes he gets away with it? How comes this happens? How comes that happens? And, and that's, that's the, that's the down spiral, I think within, within clubs. Yeah. Interesting. And then final one really is for, for those lads who have come through the academy system, they've signed on the dotted line, they've already signed their first professional contract, but they're coming to the end of that deal, that first two-year deal and the and the re-signing. For those young professionals, have you got any lasting piece of advice for them? Or is it, you know, is it kind of what you mentioned before around the, the cars and, and, and not buying the, the latest one or the, the, the biggest one and living within your means? Or is it a different bit of advice you'd like to give? Yeah, again, it yeah, it harks back to that. Just really, just make sure you step up correctly. Just take your time. You know, it, it drive the you know the the new, a smaller car. Like, it doesn't have to be this big luxury Range Rover and all those things because you spend most of your money on insurance, <laughs> um, and they won't and they won't insure you because you're too young and, and all of those sorts of things. So just the main the main thing would be, I think, have a structure, have a, have an understanding that. Okay, in two years, 
break it down in, into into money and, and in value and actually say right two years you know i'm going to earn four thousand pounds over two years okay in those two years if i'm going to earn four thousand pounds what what part of that can i save what part of that you know can i spend it, all of those what part of that is my travel what part of that is my phone bill this that and the other and i think that when you start to do that from an early age um it lives with it lives with you throughout your career and you'll do it every time whether that's a one-year contract whether that's a two-year contract four-year contract five-year contract whatever it looks like if you can break that down and have something at the end of it each time um you're kind of sticking to those those small targets and those small goals rather than the bigger one which is you know i want to be earning 50 60 100 pound a week yeah actually when you do get to that point you'll be saving most of that and you'll be you'll still be living you know on a on a 40 50 grand a week i know that everybody's it will change your lifestyle change, yeah but, yeah but in in terms of what you're actually spending and what you're earning it will still be irrelevant to if you was only earning you know 100 pounds a week or a thousand pounds a week so if you can get into that routine as, as quick as possible and as soon as possible, you'll you'll financially you'll be much more successful as, as you go up the ladder. Oh, that's, that's great. That's great. Yeah. And yeah, in terms of that, I mean I just want to thank you for, for sparing the time to come on and, and give us a sixty minutes of your time. And I'm sure on behalf of our listeners as well, you know, they'll for any age group, any phase, any club, any stage of their career. From a financial perspective, we've given plenty of piece of advice. I've wrote loads of notes here already, so I'm sure they'll, they'll be writing similar. And kind of, you know, to give us a bit of a background from your career as well, I think you're a great example for, for young lads in, in the academy system and those young professionals who, who should be thinking about their transition. I, I love the quote that you said about, you know, transition out of football as slowly as possible. And I think mm. that's a really good takeaway point that I'm going to take with me and hopefully our listeners will do too. And, uh, you know, they'll have the same mindset and the same kind of vision that you did to be able to, you know, get to a point in your career where you're having a dual career, something on the side, as well as your football, the two marry each other. And then, yeah, you, you can then go on and, and, and live a successful life in your alternative career when the time comes that football is no no longer a viable option. So you're a superb example. So thank you very much, Laurie. No, Lee, thank you very much for having me. What a great example Laurie is. Not just to his fellow pros and academy players, but to anyone away from football too. Live within your means is certainly something we can all take away from this week's episode. We are a generation where we have to have it now to follow those influencers on Instagram and cripple ourselves financially in doing so. Aside from the financial advice, I know I learned a lot from what I thought I knew about Laurie's career and that of other professional players. The pressures to impress, the mistakes that they make when it comes to money and the number of people willing to add to those pressures and not always look out for the players' best interests. Nevertheless, what we have discussed over the last 60 minutes will more importantly and hopefully highlight the dangers and the potential opportunities open to young professionals about to embark on their first steps in their career as well as give apprentices an insight into what to expect and how easy it is to get into good habits. Be sure to join us next week 
as we continue our financial theme when we bring you more interviews from the locker. listening i hope you enjoyed this week's episode and look forward to you joining us next week when we bring you another interview from the locker be sure to follow this podcast to access the latest episodes and make sure you share these interviews with your friends family teammates and anyone you feel will benefit from the episodes look out for behind the scenes footage on our instagram page for more information on our facebook page and be sure to give us a follow on twitter too Don't forget to access our website for up-to-date resources as well as contact details for all our guests who appear on the podcast from week to week. All these details can be found in the About section on the podcast platform you have accessed this episode from. We look forward to you joining us next week in listening to more interviews from The Locker.